This message was brought to you by Christian Service. Podcast. I am your host, Greg the Scott, and I have with me today a very excellent and wonderful group of co-panelists, co-hosts, 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 co-panelists, co-pilots. Okay. Okay. We got the co-pilots here today. Uh, are you guys excited Yo. about the Fancy Files? I'm not talking about the panelists. I'm talking about you out there in oh. podcast radio land. <laughs> Are you excited to listen to what we have to say today? Yeah. I'm excited. Are you ready, kids? No. <laughs> There's no children listening to this. Stop. Well, why not? Why not? Maybe they are. I don't know. Okay, if, if there is a child out there listening to this, why don't you write on in and let us know. I hope that last week's, two weeks, podcast uh, blessed you as we were going through... Uh, Collage. I was gonna say Chronicles. What? Chronicle. We should go through Chronicles one day, but not today. What? Which? Which Chronicles is it that has the genealogies? The Chronicles of, of Narnia. No, all of them. What, what do you think is in Chronicles? Well, Chronicles. I mean, is the, the listing of the kings and their yeah, histories. The so. genial. The just specifically chapters of chapters of genealogies. Oh, that, that's numbers. No. So Chronicles one. Is it one or two? Two has more history. Is it two? You know what? We all have Bibles here. Anyways, you know what? It would be funny to do a podcast specifically on the Chronicles genealogies and to see if people listen. It ends up being the most popular podcast. People like it wouldn't like, be haha funny, but it'd be. Funny. No, it would be funny. It's true. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's funny, but not haha funny. Right, right. No one is going to be laughing, but it depends. Like if we go through all their names and we create backstories, what do you think? You think that would be borderline heretical or? Yeah, let's not go there backstories like like we'll tell people it's fiction i mean people do it all the time they make movies about jesus i mean there is a whole book series on brackets histories of all these people in the bible um i knew someone that was really into them and all of them are pretty much trash okay <laughs> there is mick's opinion of the day thank you mickey hope that uh, you enjoyed saying that uh, i did good <laughs> Excited to say more things that will offend a few people. <laughs> Probably. Uh, so to start off with, there's a lot to say uh, as we, we dive in. Before I even announce the co-pilots, the co-pilots, <laughs> uh, first, like and subscribe. Go on the Christian Service page, like and subscribe. Go on YouTube, the Christian Service or Christian Service Church. Like and subscribe, click the bell, get notifications, because we do put the podcasts on YouTube, and we're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Podcasts, that's it. I was going to say iTunes. (laughs) Apple iTunes. So, yes, we found out that we have listeners uh, within the southern U.S. We have listeners in, in the U.K. We have listeners in Ireland, I believe in Belgium. So, for those of you who are listening, thank you very much. I hope that 
it's a blessing to you. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're laughing along with us. You're, you know, a lot of our humor, maybe you don't get, and that's because we're friends. We're not pastors, mm. maybe yet. Not yet. No, not yet. Especially not me. Oh no. I'm not. A I thought you were a pastor. pastor. No. No. Well. Okay. <laughs> we'll move on from that. Um. So yes, we want to eventually start up, and maybe by the time this is this is on uh, or is released, uh, we'll have a specific or specific social media pages dedicated to the Fancy Files because everything with the Fancy Files is through Christian service. And Christian service is the ministry that we run. Uh, so Fancy Files is under that umbrella. And uh, so that's if you're wondering, you know, what is Christian service? It's a ministry. The name, like, some we find it funny the way some people come up with ministry names. Like, sometimes I'll just take their name. And then, like, like Billy Graham Evangelistic Association uh, those of you in the South would be familiar with Jimmy Swaggart Ministries. And then you get people who just like, they, they come up with a church name and it's usually community. There's always something with community, like something really like unity community church or, you know, like something like that or like elevate community church. And we're just like, you know what? We're, we're just, I think when we were organizing our first meeting, we didn't even have a name. And Mick, I think you found some template and it said Christian service, or you wrote Christian service. And I saw that and I was like, that's the name of the ministry. Yeah, I have a history of putting placeholder names that end up defining the next 10 years of my life. <laughs> and so uh, since we, you know, are non-denom, we ended up kind of, I didn't know what to write at first. We were going to write the name of the street where the service was on. And then it turns out the actual address wasn't on the same street. It was on the Knopf Street. So then the whole logo was scrapped. <laughs> and so I just gave up and I wrote Christian service on the poster. Because at the end of the day, it's a Christian service. Right. We're Christians and we want to have a service. Uh, if you, you know, follow Christian norms, then... This is a service for you. Yeah. I think one day we'll start a church and call it Christian Service Community Church. <laughs> and we will create a brand new denomination, a non-denom, denom. Yes. Non-denom, denom, denom. Denom. It's like that X-File episode where, was it Jose Chong's from Outer Space? And he creates this whole, fix, this new kind of genre of books. It's a non-fiction fiction. fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. For those of you, if any of you listen to the X-Files, congratulations. I want to shout out to my mom. Hello, mom. Thank you very much for being our number one fan. Hi, Greg's mom. Hi, Deborah. Whoa. Are you on name, first name basis with her? Wow. Sorry. You can cut this out. It's staying in. <laughs> Hello, mother dear. I don't think anyone calls her that either. Oh. That's, that's on you. Sorry. <laughs> And then also shout out to my sister. Hello, sister. Hi, sister. Does anyone want to shout out anybody? Want to shout out your mom? I don't even know if she listens. Hey, mom, if you're listening, thank you. Was a shout out to all our moms. And if you're not listening, you should. <laughs> and just for everyone that does listen, we know we have a faithful group. Uh, we thank you very much you know, for your dedication, appreciation. Also, uh, we have merchandise. If you really love Fancy Files, there are shirts. We got the red and black shirts. 
you know, black. Yeah. And red, if you want to, you know, lose your life, you can wear red. Die um, on a strange planet yeah, where no you know, one has gone before. Decides to go on an adventure where the red shirt doesn't come home. Mm. If you have a group of friends that love Fancy Files and, like, you got, like, three of them going out with you and, like, three are wearing black and you're the only one wearing red, you're the only one that's not coming back. Yes. Well, I would like to say, though, we keep bringing up that it's a red shirt, but it's actually burgundy. So what, I was now very, you tell me? I was specific on the shade of red I was picking for the shirts. <laughs> and I chose burgundy so that no one may lose their lives wearing our shirts. Okay. So that they can get more shirts. Now we have that figured out. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a tumbler, too. That's a travel mug cup something. Yes. I find the name tumbler funny because I think of the... Uh, the social media? No. I think of Batman. <laughs> oh, anyways. Um, yeah, so I'm going to announce my panelists, my co-hosts, my co-pilots that we've, they've already chatted. But just in case you don't know who they are, first I got uh, Mr. Mickey. How are you, Mickey? I'm doing very well. You look well. Thank you. It's because of the books I read. He reads fantastically. Yes. Bigly uh, and strongly. Articulated. Are you still feeling rejoiced? I'm still feeling rejoiced. That's good. I'm not reading Grammarly, though. (laughs) Neither am I. Good. And I never will. Uh, So, make us to my left, maybe your right. To his right, and directly in front of me, we have the Rexosaurus Rex. Rexy, how are you? I'm uh, I'm doing pretty well. Yourself? Fine. Thank you. (laughs) That's fair. You're looking very fine. Ooh. Okay, I accept that. Um, wow. By the way, ladies, Mickey's available. For those of you in your... <laughs> oh, it just made it weird. And to my right and your left, center of Ezra, we have the very lovely Melanie. Melanie, thank you. How are you? <laughs> I thought you were going to keep going. Would you like, like me no, to? No, no, but like, thank you. And I was like, okay, for Thank what? You. For, for being, being here. here. For being here. Thanks for being here. And thanks for um, being such a good host. Are you talking about yourself? <laughs> I know. You're welcome. I'm a co-host. I'm a co-pilot. <clears throat> yeah. You're the pilot. Yeah. And where would we be without our pilot? Uh, grounded. Eating peanuts at the back. I'm eating peanuts, But yes. we're already doing that. <laughs> yes. Don't tell everyone what we're doing. <laughs> Telling everyone my mom's name, your profession, that we're eating peanuts. Am I not allowed to say the truth? There's the truth and the truth. And sometimes the truth truth. needs to be kept quiet. Okay. They're lecturing me. I'll leave. No. You're going to stay right there. Okay. Uh, We have a great show for you today. We want to continue doing our study in Colossians chapter 3. And we're actually going to be diving right into verse 5. But I really hope that it's been a blessing to you and that this has been a help in developing or to help you develop in your walk to mature as Christians. It's vitally important that we understand our identity in Christ. If we do not understand who we are in Jesus, we can't fully mature and be all that God wants us to be. So that means you need yourself to get in the word of God, read it, memorize it, treasure it, believe it. So I'm going to get Mick. He is the official Bible reader of the fancy file podcast. And he does a fantastic job at it. And believe it or not, 
ladies and gentlemen, he actually, his first language is not English. But we're not going to tell you <laughs> what his first language is just yet. It's Klingon. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, actually. It's Klingon. <laughs> actually, half the individuals in this group, their first language is not English, but we're not going to tell you who they are, and we're not going to tell you what language they are. All right, Mickey, uh, read them. Read them. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Amen. That's good. Do a good job. Thank you. I'm very impressed. You should be. If listeners are impressed, you can write in and like us. Like Please. the... Uh, the post thank you good job <laughs> okay so identity we know identity is important uh, and last podcast we ended off on a question which we were asking you know if we properly understand this how it will affect our lives well guess what the bible without asking a question per se uh it it implies and tells us that if you do this then this has to happen so we need to know who we are we need to understand our identity, and we need to understand the great work that God does for us. Now, a lot of Christians, they like to sit back and just kind of relax and do nothing. And I can understand perhaps why they think that, because we don't need to work for our salvation. Salvation is paid for. However, the Bible says that you need to work out your salvation, not work for, but from the position of being saved, you live it out. And we as Christians, we battle with sin. Glorification hasn't happened yet. It's coming. It's promised here. We will be glorified. The sin, and we'll have new bodies that will no longer have the sin nature. But even as we today are saved, Christians still have the sin nature. Now, that in no way means go and live it up. That in no way means that if you are participating with sin, that it's okay. It's never okay. It's never okay for a Christian to go out and indulge in the flesh. Now it's going to happen. You're going to stumble. There'll be seasons of failure. That happens. But again, that does not mean that it's okay to stay there. God has given to us tools on how to overcome. Now, if you're one of those Christians that doesn't read the Bible, these verses actually might be offensive to you. Verses 1 to 4, wonderful. Who, who doesn't like reading how you know we're risen with Christ and, and how we're dead in Him, we're hidden in Him, we have new life in Him, and we're coming back with Him? You know, who doesn't like to talk about, you know, you're going you're to love all that. But then you get into verse 5, and I'm reading, oh, trigger warning, prepare yourself. I'm reading from the King James Version. Yeah, I am not trendy at all. Um, used to be trendy, but <laughs> then they came out with new translations. Okay, verse 5 says and in the king james it says mortify okay mortify or put to death mm. therefore your members which are upon the earth mm. now that isn't comfortable armchair north american fluffy christianity mm. what do you mean i need to put something to death what do you mean i need to put my members to death if that's you then do you not know the words of Jesus? Jesus said, if your 
eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. Was Jesus actually speaking literally? No, he was speaking metaphorically. But the principle behind what he's saying is we need to be aggressive with sin. We cannot be complacent. Mm. We cannot sit idly by while sin runs rampant in our lives and just spreads and does its damage. Sin will do great, great, great damage in your life. If you are not careful, it will, it will take you places you never thought possible. And I don't mean good. I mean bad. It will take you down roads you never thought you'd walk down. It will keep you there longer than you think you could stay. You will pay more than you would ever be willing to pay. And in some cases, you can lose and forfeit your life because of sin. But yet, sin is celebrated. Sin is encouraged in the culture. Sin is paraded down the street. Sin is glorified by the media. Of course, they don't come out and say sin, but specific sins will be glorified. And actually, this will also offend you if you don't, if you like comfortable, fluffy Christianity. Paul actually goes on and names, names, he names sin. He names the sins that you as a believer need to kill. Yep. And going back to the statement you mentioned from Jesus, where he says, hey, if your eyes or your hands cause you to sin, you're to cut them off and cast them into hell. I I think that it goes, obviously it doesn't encourage self-mutilation, but it does show just how awful sin is to the point where the image of self-mutilation in its symbolic nature is much better than the result of what will happen to you if you don't stop the sin. And you can see that also in the Old Testament sacrifices. People read uh, Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, and they read just how gruesome these sacrifices were. And especially me, when I was younger, I would think, why in the world would God ask for such carnage in the sacrifice and as i get older it's more and more clear that it's an illustration to show you just how ugly and horrid sin is yeah and to the point where god says look at this look at what you're doing that is much better to me in my sight than your sins are like, sin is horribly destructive and corrosive. Uh, for all you Star Trek fans out there, uh, I was recently re-watching Voyager, and they encounter uh, this species called the Vidians, and they are all, or at least a majority of them, are contaminated with this disease called the phage. And mm, what it does is it rots right. off every organ, your body, mm. your skin starts to slough off, and the only way these aliens can go on with their society is to act as pirates and steal organs and skin from aliens that they capture. And I think that's a perfect image of sin. Mm. Because we, we don't see it physically on our skin. Oh, like your, your skin's sloughing off. Your organs are all shutting down one at a time as they rot on the inside. 
But that is the spiritual effect of what happens. Right. Ever since Adam, this disease called sin is passed down from generation to generation. Every single individual on earth mm. is contaminated by this because we come from the line of Adam. We are all sinful. And the effect on our souls and our spirits and our relationship with God is sloughing skin, rotting organs, all of this in our spirit, which is why Christ says, metaphorically, of course, take the extreme action, lop off that hand that's causing you to sin. Sin is destructive. It is disgusting. It is horrible for your spiritual health and for your relationship with God, that you should go to any lengths to make sure that you are not indulging in sin. And uh, that's what came to mind when you were, uh, when you brought up that quote from Jesus. Yeah. Uh, there's a comparison here that we see. Because previously we were reading where we were told to set our minds above. Yeah. So our thoughts to be heavenward. Then what do we do on this earth? Now, when we think heavenward, we're thinking life. We're thinking freedom. We're thinking victory. Here, when it says mortify, it's put to death. And when it talks about your members, it's talking about that which is earthly, which is carnal in you. That which is not of God. We need to be radical in our dealings with sin. Like, we're at war with it. We can't be complacent. We can't go easy on it because sin doesn't go easy on us. And sin gives place to the enemy. It gives the enemy access to come into your life and then make it a lot worse. Especially depending on what type of sin that you're getting involved in. So, you can't be complacent. You have to be aggressive with this. And very intentional. And like, okay, if I'm, if I'm this, if I'm everything the Bible says that I am here, then now I need to live it out. Okay. Now, before we dive in, because, well, actually, well, we can read this quickly, then, then I'll ask a question. Uh, look at the things it talks about. Now, we're going to say some things, and we want to speak with a spirit of gentleness and kindness. We're going we're gonna to look at things that the Bible mentions here, and then I want you to think, how does the world portray that which God tells us to put to death? Okay. Without throwing anyone under the bus, without attacks, we all struggle with these things that are going to be mentioned. Some people will struggle with different things. But I want you to think, how does the world portray this? What does the world say about it? And a reminder, and we've talked about this at length throughout many podcasts in connection to this teaching, this series we've been doing, is your your diet of, of media, your diet that you're receiving, okay? How is that influencing the way you think and live out, right, your walk? If you're receiving more of the world, if you're receiving, if you're taking in more of that which is of the world and you're not getting in the word, you're not fellowshipping with Christians, you're not, you're not living your walk out, then when God says put this stuff to death, you're not going to want to put it to death because it's a part of your life. It's celebrated, it's praised, it's encouraged. So I just want to quickly look at this. Um one fornication in the King James says fornication that's that's sexual sin that is sexual sin and sexual sin today is 
when you think about you know the sex revolution in the 60s and then you know and then you have today like the homosexual revolution that took place and 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 whatnot that that lifestyle all of it all sex it's not just we're going to look at one and say it's wrong all sex outside of what god created which is marriage between a man and a woman all that that's outside of marriage is wrong yep i agree so often, sometimes even in the church, whenever sexual sin comes up of any nature, we're not going to get into specifics. We don't have nearly enough time for that. But whenever it comes down to discuss discussion of sexual sin, I often hear and have gotten this question. The Bible never specifically calls out blank. How do we really know that it falls under the covering of fornication how do we know that it applies to this particular sin? And here's what I can tell you. One, in many of the cases this question comes up, Jesus doesn't directly mention it because he is talking specifically to the Jews. During Christ's three-year mission, uh, most of his mission was centered and focused on the Jews because he is the Jewish Messiah. Yes, his mission was to come and redeem the whole world, but as Paul mentioned, missions for Christ went to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. That's why Jesus came. That was his focus in his three-year ministry. So many of the things he brought up, he didn't have to discuss some things because in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish mindset, Things were set in stone. They already knew these things. He didn't need to discuss them. Not to mention that, as John writes in his gospel, that there are many, 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 many things that Christ did and spoke about that aren't recorded in the Bible because there's just so much. There was so much he did that the, the gospel writers focused on particular things that were of significance at the time. On another note... The way he does talk about sexual behavior and marriage is this. In the beginning, God created the male and female, and that is why a man leaves his father and mother to be joined unto his wife. And what God has brought together, let no man separate. And in many other portions of scripture, God is very clear. Sex is not to be had between any individuals except for one man, one woman joined in the bonds of marriage. Right. If it's between one man, one woman outside of marriage, it is still wrong. God has a design, he has a setup, and he has made the rules. So for when it comes to fornication, God has a design in mind, and anything outside of that is wrong, because God ultimately is the lawgiver. Hmm. I think also that we can't forget that this whole passage, like many passages uh, elsewhere, are written in a specific way to really get the most out of the listener and the reader. Yep. Uh, if we look at, you know, the word mortify, which uh, if you're looking for a great book on that, The Mortification of Sin, I think by John Owen, wonderful. But this idea, right, it is active. It is a our effort. If we think of passages like Ephesians 2.10, where it says that we are God's workmanship, saved unto good works prepared before us, um, this mortification of sin is one of those 
good works that has been prepared for us. Right. And so when we look at this passage and how it kind of plays out in verse 5, well, we begin with the body and sexual sin and what corrupts the body, but right. it doesn't really stay there. It keeps going, and I don't want to jump ahead. I'm not hosting this, but... Right, because uh, we're not staying it. We're not going to focus on one sin here. No, exactly. Look at the list. And so there's like various things, and it really encompasses every single aspect exactly. of our lives yeah. beyond sexual sin. And yep. yes, here, fornication is, is the word that is used, but in the original text, we can also read... Um, what is it? It's immorality, yeah. which encompasses that, but is very focused on uh, the sexual nature of it. So w- that which corrupts the body. Yeah, good point. So I was thinking the same thing. This whole list, this covers everything. Like, like fornication, and the Bible talks about sinning against your body. You commit sexual sin, you sin against your own body. Mm. Now... I think one of the knocks on Christians is that they only focus on sexual sin. Mm-hmm. Now, to a degree, I can understand why, because it is the biggest, it's one of the biggest struggles Christians have. Because for a Christian, and like Ezra was talking about, you know, and, and, and explained it beautifully, we believe that we can only have sex within the confines of marriage. So that means the night before you get married, it's still wrong. You would yeah. still be sinning against God. Now, I know I don't want to put condemnation on people. If you're a Christian, you're struggling with this. Remember, God, if you bring it to the Lord, he will forgive you. He's merciful. He's kind. He's gracious. So this is not like, oh, how dare you? But we can't soften the blow and be like, it's not that bad. No, it is bad. But for Christians, because within the world, like we said, like I said before, think about how the world looks at sin or sorry, it's a sex. All TV shows talk about it, mm-hmm. um, and like there's sitcoms that that we probably some of us like here, where when they talk about sex, it's it's a joke and people laugh, and and then you look at a lot of the popular shows today, it's hard to find a good show or movie that doesn't have sex in it. So here we are in a culture that's extremely sexualized. And, and then rightly so, we read the Bible, and God and the Holy Spirit tells us, you're going to save yourself, you're going to be pure. It's hard. Yep. When you're constantly bombarded with it, it is extremely hard. Yep. But it's not just that. It's not the only, pro- it's not like Christians might think, oh, I get victory and that's it. Oh, I'm good. No. Because the list goes on. It talks about uncleanness or impurity. And that can be also in how we think. Mm. And that, yes, that can include sexual sins, mm-hmm. but it could also include any type of immorality, any type of unclean thoughts, anything that's opposed to the word of God that can get within our thinking. And I think sometimes as Christians, we don't, we don't really think or, or, or consider, like, where's our thoughts at? In uh, King James, it says inordinate affections or basically like, passions or evil desires Mm -hmm. and again that's not only sex anything sexual you can have an evil desire um with money you can have evil desires to to you know to promote yourself like pride Mm -hmm. desires that and the outcome of what you want to do may seem good but your desires are wrong 
Hmm. You know, and that shows that sin, and like Ezra said when he was mentioning the whole face thing with Voyager, which is a great episode, by the way, um, it affects you entirely. Top to bottom, left to right, in and out, it affects you. There is no place it won't go in your life. And if you don't stop it, and we're going to get into what does it mean to put it to death. If you don't stop it, all this stuff will go wild in your life. Well, it's funny, right? Because it says immorality and then impurity. But then those next two words, passion and evil desire, reflect that exact same thing. Passion is the physical side of things, right? Essentially, fornication. It's a repetition, again. And then evil desire is the thought aspect. Mm. So it's like a, it's like for a second time, be reminded. Yeah. It's outward sin, it's inward sin, and it's affecting everything right and 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 i like like you think like not only the physical not only in our thinking but even in our like in our emotions sin will affect your emotions if you're not careful yeah and even jesus endorses this right uh he was preaching to the crowd at one point and he says you've heard it said thou shalt not commit murder but surely i tell you if you even hate your brother in your heart you have committed murder right and if you look upon a woman with lust, mm. you are guilty of adultery. Like Christ wanted to drive the point home. It's not just in your actions. Sin is not an oopsie. Sin is not just a mistake. Sin is not a decision I made that was wrong. But sin goes right down to the very core of your being. It is an attitude of rebellion against God. God is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the sovereign of all creation. Mm. And our innermost being is in rebellion to him and wants what is evil and wants what is not of him. So when it comes down to, like some people ask me, when it comes to like sin and the punishment for sin, why is it eternal damnation to hell? For, for a decision, a little mistake. Why does one little white lie condemn me to hell outside of the salvation of Christ? Why? Because it's not simply an action. That's not the problem. It's not just the decision you made to tell a lie. The problem is that in your heart, your attitude is, I don't care what God says. I know better. Mm. And right. what, what was it that condemned Satan to, to hell? was pride mm -hmm. and saying i know better than god yeah i can do god's job better yeah and that those are the same two three things that get us right at the core of our being the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the pride of life mm. all our sin can be boiled down to those three things Amen. and it comes down to our attitude that is in rebellion to God. And that's what Jesus was trying to say when he got to that. Your hatred of your brother in the heart of hearts is equivalent to murder in God's eyes. When you look at a woman or a man walking down the street and you say, man, and you go down the list of your fantasies, I, I'm not in your mind. <laughs> but like when you go through those fantasies and those desires to have that person... That is equivalent to committing adultery. Mm. God doesn't pull the punches here. Mm. He very clearly says, I'm not just looking at your actions. 
I'm not just looking at you to go through the motions. I'm not even just looking at you to behave well. I want your heart and your desires to be righteous, right down to the core of your being, which is why we need Jesus, right? Yeah, good point. Yeah. And then the, the last two. Yes, thank you, Rexy. So good. And then covetousness, which is idolatry. This is something that uh, needs to be brought into the attention in a modern church because, yes, uh, you know, sexual sin will get focused on, and, and, and it should. But when you only focus on one thing as if that's the only problem, no. Covetousness is a huge problem. People desiring and wanting what their neighbors have. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet. And yet, you got Christians, and again, because of the culture we're in, we're constantly bombarded with products, and and we're always seeing what people should look like. We covet after what they what they have. Oh, that person is very attractive. I want to be just like them. Even more so, I want I want what they have. I want their clothing. I want their followers. I want their life. Covet after it, and you're not praising God for what God has given you. And then that whole idolatry, you're literally worshiping after that. You can't separate the two. You are worshiping after that. You want that. You want that more than than God. Mm. And that is a huge danger when you set up idols in your heart and in your life. So you can see why is this list there? Because this is a serious problem. This is problems, yes, that humans face. If Christians aren't careful, this will be problems that they will face. Now, God is good. God is merciful. God is patient. God is kind. If you're struggling with any of these things, he's not going to just throw you under the bus. Ah, you failed. You're done. No. But he also doesn't want us to be complacent with it. And he says, you need to put this to death within you. Now, I hope that addresses maybe potentially a false doctrine that might exist within the church. And that's if you become a Christian, you will no longer have a problem with sin. The fact that Paul is saying this, it means that as Christians, you can have a problem with sin. Romans 7. Romans 7 was not Paul's pre-salvation life. Mm -hmm. It was him as a Christian struggling and needing to understand how to get victory. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Well, guess what? Here's the answer. Put it to death. Put it to death. Put it to death. Put it to death. Don't focus on what the world says about it. Because you're not called to look at the world. You're called out of the world. Come unto me. Come out of them. Okay? Come and be ye separate, saith the Lord. We're called, we're in the world, but we're not of it. We don't march to their drumbeat. We don't sing their tune, so to speak, the world's tune. Not saying that if you sing a song, you know, that you're done. I'm talking about the way the world sings, so to speak, metaphorically. That's not our way. We walk to the beat of the Holy Spirit. Yes, there's something that I want to say because most times in the church, we're told, don't do this, don't do that. And we don't know why. 
And so I think one thing that's really important to remember is that God is a God of covenant. And so, I don't know, I think we should all sit on that for a minute because he's a God of covenant who wants to have a relationship with us, who sent his son, okay, to die for our sins. Amen. So we have to remember that like it cost, it cost God, his son. Our sin is that severe. Like there's this gravity aspect, like it's very severe and, um, it's like because we have we've all like we've accepted this covenant with him we've accepted this reconciliation that we have so it's like we have a pact <laughs> and so it's like god like i i choose to follow you for the rest of my life because of because of what you've done because you sent your son because you love me and so it's like now we are not to live like the world we are not to because we've been saved out of that and um, there's this ver- these few verses that I've been reading in James, um, in James 4, 7 to 10. And so submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse you- your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy be turned to gloom. Humble you, humble yourselves before the Lord, the Lord. Oh my gosh, and He will exalt you. Um. Anyways, all that to say, um, that our sin has to be taken seriously, but we have to know why. And also, God is the designer of the universe. He's the creator of the universe, and He wants us to be in relationship with Him. And so, if we love someone, we have to want to. Like, I don't want to say that we want to please them but just because we love them we want to do like good things towards that person and I want God to to be pleased with me not because I want to earn my salvation but just also because of the love that he poured out towards me exactly and so um yeah and also he he has a design a specific design for our sexuality for for how we should live and he's laid that out in scripture and how we should think and so if we're not doing that well we're not representing him and we're not following him and we're in rebellion towards him like you said and so um yeah i think it's important to know the why yeah i don't know if i explained it properly but i think you did now paul often wrote lists he writes lists often you read out through the, the new testament he has all these lists okay so we know we know What's wrong? Now, even if we didn't have the list, the Holy Spirit would be going, let's mm-hmm. don't do this. Okay. Now, how do you do it? How do you go about putting it to death? How do you do that? It says put it to death. What does that look like in your life? Well, I think, you know, to put to death, to mortify, is, like we've said uh, earlier, is an intentional thing. Um, just, I guess the idea of the word to covet is also intentional, right? We are intentionally running after things that aren't for us where things that are forbidden to covet, right? We're running after things. Well, we're running after having more. Mm. Well, to put to death is the opposite of that. We're running after having less, less of sin, less of these blemishes, these imperfections, these things that do not belong on the children of God. 
the sons of obedience, so to speak. Um, and so when we run to the scriptures and we truly just allow it to mold us and shape us, that's the first step into knowing what to cut out, into knowing what it is that God desires for us. But secondly, if it's not meditated on in prayer, if we don't run to God both privately and as a community in prayer, then we're not allowing the Spirit to actually work in us. And I think we can't undermine the work of the Spirit in the mortification of our sin. Yeah. Because the Spirit is what allows it to happen. It is what enables any type of progress and growth. And so as we run to God in prayer, uh, in, in spirit and in truth, right? In the knowledge of the word and in love, um, edifying our brothers and sisters, building them up, encouraging them, taking them further and further, then we grow and we are allowed to fully experience the freedom that comes with mortifying our sin. Yeah, I agree. And on top of that, there's a a phrase that I grew up with that I just, I love to death because of how silly it is, but it also like reveals just how silly this whole struggle with sin is, right? So the, the phrase is, if you are on a diet or if you have diabetes, whichever you choose, there are two variations. If you have diabetes, don't sit next to the dessert cart. And this whole idea comes from the fact that you know where you're weak, you know where you struggle, don't put yourself in a situation where you can find yourself stumbling, right? If you know that you have an addiction to pornography, don't leave yourself alone in an area where you can get access to that stuff. Mm. If you have an issue with gluttony, don't find yourself going out to the grocery store and buying more than you need. Set yourself a budget. Be careful where you go. If you're an alcoholic, don't put yourself in a bar. Don't go places you know you're going to stumble. And that's another part of mortifying the flesh. We know where we struggle. We know where we're weak. Yes, we have died and risen with Christ. We are a new creation when we're born again. But that doesn't mean that we're not still human and we don't still struggle. And I think when it comes down to it, we have memory of our sin for a reason. I know where I was when it happened. I know what I was feeling inside. I know all these things. I don't want to set myself up for failure again. And I think it's really important that we remember that. We have to yeah. be careful what choices we make. Yeah. Yeah. We need to learn discipline. And we need to learn self-denial. Christian, well, The Christian walk is a walk of self-denial. Mm-hmm. And it's a walk of repentance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I've said this to some people. If, you know, pre- uh, repenting is preventing. You need to make a habit of repenting of your sins. Paul Washer, you know, addressed the whole people who claim they're saved. I repented. I did that once. You know, I done did that. I got my shot. You know, and uh, well, this might be one of the appropriate times where the booster makes sense. It's like, well, no, you need to get that booster all the time. You need to be repenting all the time, not once. <laughs> not once. It's a, you know, if you, 
as a Christian, you're it's a life of repentance. You need to go and daily confess to the Lord your failure. Now, the more you do that, that that in and of itself is is a positive step because number one, you're dealing with your sin and any hindrance in your life, anything that will bring you down that's been dealt with, you're washed in the blood. Now you have that communication is not hindered with the Lord. Uh, Not that God leaves us, but if you live in sin and you try to live out your walk with God, it is very challenging. Okay, you you will grieve and hinder the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, and not that the Holy Spirit is helpless, okay? He's not, but he does talk about we can upset him and he will pull back, so to speak. We use that terminology. So when you're repenting, you may actually be preventing yourself from actually in, jumping in more. Because it's kind of like, well, you know, if you're not repenting, well, I failed. I can just, well, I've already failed. Might as well continue. You know, but repenting stops that. And then actual self-denial. Learning to say no. Teaching yourself with the Holy Spirit on how to say no. Now, if you fall, get back up. Repent and learn to say no again. And as time goes on, the Holy Spirit will help you and enable you to stop and to put those things to death, to put it all to death. And you might think, oh, that's so overwhelming. Yes, for you in yourself. But you have the spirit of the living God within you. The Holy Spirit. This is God's will for your life. This is a command, by the way, in the Greek. I'm not a Greek expert. I read it in a commentary, by the way. So don't don't jump down. Oh, Greg's a Greek expert. No. But according to this one commentary, it's a command to put it to death. It's not a suggestion. And the tense in the Greek suggests it's a decisive action. Basically, it means do it now. Do it now and keep doing it. Do it now. Do it now and keep doing it. Keep putting it to death. Keep putting it to death. Oh, but I fail so much. Okay, but you're doing it though. That means your desire is to live for God. And God sees that. Before we end, I just want to get some final comments from you guys. Yeah, I think repentance, kind of as you were saying, right? To go with that analogy of the shot. I think... Repentance is a lot less of a shot and a lot more of like an IV drip. Of course. Right? No, I mean, right? If we see it as a, you know, I've done it, then you move on. You miss out on a lot of things. You miss out on where God wants to take you. But if you're always plugged in, if it's a continuous, right? If you need a blood transfusion, a single vial will not do. Mm. It needs to be a complete action. I think that's sanctification, right? Or being essentially drained and then filled up again. Yeah. And so it's a blessing to be part of that process. But we we have to remember that it is a process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I want to synthesize everything. Well, kind of like summarize everything that's been said in my own words. So it can help the listeners maybe. Um, help the lady listeners? The lady listeners. Well, listeners in general. But... um. Yeah, I think the closer we get to Christ, the more we're going to repent and the more we're going to be grieved for our sin, right? Yeah. Which is a really good thing. And it can feel terrible in the moment because you're like, oh my gosh, this is awful. And I won't stop sinning. But it's just because we're getting closer to Christ and he's revealing these things to us. And we're like, oh my goodness, I see my sin so often. And so if you're in that situation, that is good news. 
And that means that you're bearing fruit. Yeah. And so that is really, really, really good news. And another thing is we were talking about boundaries and, and it's like, okay, there are certain things that I know that I struggle with that I have, that I have to be extremely careful with that. I, I know my limits and I know my weaknesses and I even heard Paul Washer say, he's like, I can't go into a mall because just for him seeing um, like pictures of like women in lingerie was too much for him. So he wouldn't even go to the mall. Like we each have our things where we're like, I can't do that. And mm, we were talking about this the other day when um, we had like a, a prayer night and we were saying that we talked about this, uh, this Bible tract that uh, Leonard Ravenhill wrote and it was others can, but you cannot. And that just always speaks to me. It's like a lot, like there's Christian liberty and there's things that some people won't struggle with, but we're going to struggle with them. And we right. know that we struggle. So we're like, man, that person can watch that movie. But I mean, I can't watch that movie with them. So if I'm with them, I'm going to have to say, hey, can we watch something else? Right. You know? And so, and in the body, we have to be comfortable to say these things to each other so we can know, hey, that's a stumbling block for me. Mm. I know you can do that, but I can't. Yeah. So can we like adjust, you know? Good point. So I think without going into too many details, but just saying like, hey, that's a stumbling block. And I think we have to be willing to listen to each other and to help each other out and to not be a stumbling block for each other Yeah. also. And um, there's probably something else I wanted to say. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Amen. And that's that's a really big step. That's something that I've done that I try strive for. It's like um, because we have the Holy Spirit in us. And if we want to please God and if we cry out to God when we're struggling, he's going to hear us. But we have to not choose sin. We have to choose God over everything. And so every day has to be, we have to choose Jesus over sin, no matter if you have the fear of missing out. Because trust me, I have that sometimes. Sometimes I wonder what it would be like to be in the world. And then I come back to my senses and I'm like, yeah, that would be stupid. That's why God gave us confines. Yeah. And so um, choose Jesus. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, there's a, a verse. And I, I want to end with this. Uh, those are very good comments, by the way. Thank you very much, guys. Um, in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, I'm not reading the whole verse, but it, in the ESV, it says flee from sexual immorality. Flee. So there's an action. If you're in a situation and that comes up, your your response should be, oh, man, wow, am I going to? No, you run. Mm -hmm. Don't even debate it. Run, 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 run. I like that you brought up the whole Paul Washer thing, how you couldn't go in the malls. And I think, to, and, and this is sometimes Christians get in trouble with this where, uh, they themselves, what they'll do is, you know, they'll have a, like a way of dealing with a sin, but say for them, it's a big struggle for someone else. It isn't, but then they'll make it a command on everyone else. Like, no. like no, Paul doesn't, Paul Washer doesn't do this, but let's say I decide I can't go to the mall because of that. And then I make it a command for everyone. That's dangerous. Mm -hmm. That's however, however mm -hmm. I think every single one of us, there might be things like that where we ourselves are going to have to really put a line in the sand and say, there's certain places I can't go. There's certain things I cannot watch. And our brothers and our sisters have to honor that. Even if it's silly to them, they have to honor that because if they don't and they force us into a situation like that, they are then directly responsible for causing us to stumble. Mm -hmm. Even, even if they don't, but the reaction to it is oh, really mm -hmm. like, 
you know, and, and all of us have the capability of doing that. But it's like, well, that's kind of silly. Well, it's like, well, no, even in that, that person is taking their walk so seriously. It's kind of like, Mick, you like to bring this up about the Pentecostals back in the, in the day where they wouldn't go to the movie house because they thought if the rapture were to happen, they'd go up, hit the ceiling, and drop right back down. We laugh, but Mick brought this point up. He's like, these people were so serious about their sanctification that that's how far they were willing to take it. And even though their thoughts of hitting the ceiling and coming back down is kind of silly, however, they cared so much about living for Christ and not offending him that they wouldn't even go to watch movies. And movies, that they when they thought this, the movies back then were were nothing. Nothing compared to, to compared today. Christians are watching Game of Thrones, no problem. You know, like I mean, forget even Games of Thrones. Christians are just watching porn whenever they want. So, yeah, I, brothers and sisters, for those who are listening, take it seriously. Take it seriously. You are commanded to put this to death, and it's not only sexual sin; it's all sin, all of it. You need to put it to death. You need to fight against it. You need to slay it. You don't slay it in your own. Do it through the Holy Spirit. But you have the tools. God has given you the tools. You need to be in prayer. You need to be in the Word. You need to be fasting. You need to be with your brothers and sisters. You need to be doing those things. So, that concludes this episode of The Fancy Files. Bum, 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 bum. I am your host, Greg the Scott. Thank you for joining us. And I had with me today, Marvelous Mickey. Thank you. Ezrasaurus Rex. Always a pleasure, sir. And the wonderful Melon Star. Wow, thanks. Mickey, are you rejoiced? I'm very rejoiced. Good. Go forth and serve your Jesus. Thank you.